From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Ernson. This is your news for Tuesday, October 31st. Wildlife advocates recently filed a lawsuit against the state of Utah, challenging a new law that allows for unlimited year-round hunting of mountain lions. Legislators proposed the bill this spring, arguing that mountain lion sightings were up across the state. But wildlife biologists say that actually, the mountain lion population has been declining in the past decade. Kirk Robinson is the executive director of the Western Wildlife Conservancy, one of two plaintiffs in the lawsuit. No science was consulted. The only justification offered for this, well, we've heard reports of more frequent sightings of mountain lions, which may be true, but, you know, there are more people in the state than ever before, and more of them visiting uh, mountain lion habitat on hikes, picnics, etc., The original bill had nothing to do with mountain lion hunting. It mostly suggested small tweaks to wildlife management. And when Robinson first reviewed it, he said he gave the bill a passing mark. But a few days before the end of the legislative session in March, a line was added that would authorize mountain lion hunting year-round with essentially no regulations. This bill turned out to be a Trojan horse. It was done sneakily. It was designed to prohibit public scrutiny. Robinson says there's evidence this law will actually do the opposite of what it intends to do. Instead of decreasing mountain lion sightings in urban areas, it could actually increase their presence. There have been recent studies that show that when you kill a lot of mountain lions, the result is there's a lot more young, juvenile mountain lions roaming the landscape. And they're the ones that actually cause most of the conflict. This has been reported over and over. They're undisciplined, they're not good hunters, they roam far and wide, they get into people's yards, they kill pets, they scare people, they prey on sheep. The lawsuit claims that with this new legislation, the state is in violation of its own laws. In 2021, a new amendment to the Utah State Constitution became effective. It's called the Utah Right to Hunt and Fish Act. It's to support management and conservation of wildlife, all to protect the future of hunting in Utah. So my question is, how does HB 469 contribute to the conservation of Utah mountain lions? The Division of Wildlife Resources is listed as a defendant in the case. In its official statement about the litigation, the DWR said, quote, our biologists are monitoring harvest rates under the new regulations to determine the effects of this new hunting strategy. If it is determined that additional regulations are needed, those recommendations would be proposed and would be open to public comment. What a lot of Utahns don't understand is how political wildlife management is. You'd think maybe, well, the Division of Wildlife Resources has people trained in sciences and they do what the science does. That is not true. They use science, but they have their own goals, and those goals are set by the politicians who control the purse strings. And a lot of the legislators in Utah, most of them, in fact, are from rural areas where they continue to believe the old myth that predators are a bane. The best time to hunt mountain lions is usually in the winter. Since the new law went into effect in May, biologists don't have a good sense yet how the new rules will affect the harvest rate this year. You can find our previous reporting on mountain lion hunting laws in today's show notes. Former president of the Navajo Nation, Jonathan Nez, has announced he's running for Congress in Arizona's 2nd District. Chris Clements of KSJD 
reports. The seat is currently held by freshman Republican Eli Crane, who joined with a group of far-right defectors to oust former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy earlier this month. The second congressional district is also home to 14 of Arizona's 22 federally recognized tribes. Nez, a Democrat, would be the first Native American representative from Arizona in Congress. I think what really solidified the decision was the dysfunction, if you want to call it that, in, in Washington, D.C. Every time you turn on the, the television, you see uh, the division uh, there in Congress, especially with the ouster of the speaker and we don't even have a functioning Congress right now. Nez says it will likely be a tough race. The district has 30,000 more Republican voters registered than Democrats. He says he plans on focusing on issues that matter to everyday Arizonans, like inflation and lowering the cost of childcare. For KSJD, I'm Chris Clements. In 2020, Colorado voters approved the reintroduction of wolves to the state by the end of this year. But wildlife officials have had a hard time finding wolves that would survive here until now. As Aspen Public Radio's Eleanor Bennett reports, Oregon has agreed to provide up to 10 gray wolves to Colorado. Colorado Parks and Wildlife announced the agreement with Oregon's Fish and Wildlife Department late last week. CBW plans to work with state biologists to capture and relocate the wolves to the western slope between December and March. Matt Yamashita is a CPW wildlife manager based in Glenwood Springs. He says they're hoping to release some of the wolves by the end of this year, but weather and other factors could slow the process down. We're going to begin some of our capture operations up there under the assumption in December, under the assumption that we will have some adequate weather conditions. You know, if, if conditions are extremely hot, dry, it'll complicate our efforts to successfully capture those animals and bring them down to Colorado safely. Yamashita says cooler weather is better for the animal's health. He expects that the first batch of wolves will be released on state and private land, most likely in Eagle, Summit, and Grand counties. They're unlikely to release wolves in the Roaring Fork Valley because it's heavily populated and there's a lot of development, but that doesn't mean they won't end up here. Wolves are a species that like to travel. So where we release them, they're going to go where they want to go and they're going to kind of define um, their own boundaries and, and kind of create their own subset of suitable habitat. Yamashita says they're still working to identify exact release locations where there's minimal human activity and easy access to prey. In addition to Oregon, CPW is also looking at a few other places to get wolves in the region. The agency can release up to 15 wolves in its first year of reintroduction. Eleanor Bennett, Aspen Public Radio News. Fifteen Chinese immigrants are suing a Navajo business owner over forced labor practices in New Mexico. As Clark Adamitis of KSUT and KSJD reports, the suit involves an illegal cannabis operation inside the Navajo Nation. The workers filed suit against Diné Benali and his partner, Irving Lin, a Taiwanese businessman based in Los Angeles. The Associated Press reports Benali and Lin operated dozens of farms and employed more than 1,000 workers to grow cannabis in and around Shiprock, New Mexico. Cannabis cultivation is illegal on the Navajo Nation. In 2020, law enforcement agents raided the operation and destroyed more than a quarter million cannabis plants. Fifteen Chinese immigrants filed suit, alleging they were misled and mistreated while working for Benali and Lin. 
In the early days of the pandemic, when employment options were scarce, workers say that Benali and Lynn lured them to northern New Mexico under false pretenses. The suit claims the two businessmen promised the workers $200 per day in exchange for gardening and flower-cutting tasks. Instead, the workers say they were forced to work 14 hours a day, guarded by armed men, and often had to sleep out in the cannabis plots. Dene Benali is a former Navajo Nation presidential candidate who campaigned on growing marijuana to boost the Navajo economy. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, October 31st. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.